Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode six of the Robin Callie Show. I'm here with my dear brother from another mother. I might need to come up with a new something to say so I sound a little original, but hi, Robbie. What's up, y'all? What's happening? How was your weekend? It was good. It was good. I had a really good weekend. I, um, what did I do this weekend? Actually, it was great weather in the city, and I spent a lot of time at Midsummer Night Swing over at Lincoln Center. There's swing dancing, and they have dancing like every night. And I was over there actually a couple of times during the weekend. So it was really great. Um, it was a lot of swingers or swing dancers? A lot of swingers. And uh, actually, we were talking about the movie Swingers, how great that was. You're so money. You're so money. You don't even know how money you are. See, I never saw it, so I'm not in the loop on the swingers language. Oh, it's, such a, it's a really good movie. Yeah, John Favreau, he wrote it, directed it, stars in it. Vince Vaughn is in it. They were like best friends, and he wrote the role for him. Yeah, it was great. Anyway, so um, so yeah, I'm, I like to dance. I'm a good dancer, but I don't know how to swing dance. So I was kind of making it up as I went along. But I was watching these couples, and they were having so much fun. It's one of those dances where you look around the dance floor, and everyone is smiling. Yeah. It was wonderful. And so it really inspired me. I want to take some lessons, like learning how to swing dance. I also remember when it was, because um, it's kind of anachronistic, like a throwback sort of thing. I remember I was living in L.A. when it was like this big renaissance with the hipsters that were starting to do swing dancing. Yeah. And I never got into it. I went to some of the places where it was happening and I went to performances or to listen to the music. I never really jived. I love to dance, but I never jived with that particular dance. Mm -hmm. But I love that it's found such legs over the last bunch of I mean, really now, a lot of maybe 15 years, Yeah. right, with people of all ages. That's really cool. Yeah, it was awesome. There were so many people there. And then the night before, it was salsa night, and there were 4,000 people there. I mean, it was crazy. Swing night the next night, there was, I don't know, maybe half of those people. But a lot of dancing going on. It's so great that they have it. It's free. Everybody shows up. It's just a good time. Before I went swing dancing, though, on Saturday, I saw a friend's one-woman show, which was phenomenal and she's a friend of mine I've known her for 10 years and she to see her the one woman shows it's autobiographical so to see her talk about things that I heard her talking about 10 years ago and how yeah. far she's progressed and processed it and now she's even performing and talking about it I was so proud of her it's an amazing story and um it was so great, yeah. So then from there, a bunch of us went swing dancing. It was good. It sounds nice. I love the idea of when people's art comes to fruition. Yeah. Especially if it's someone, if it's not your own, if it's somebody really close to you, and you know all the seeds, the pain, the suffering, the process that they've gone through to make it happen, and then finally you can see it have life. Yeah. That's a really special thing. That's great. Well, also when it's autobiographical, oh, yeah, talk about being intense. vulnerable and yeah. really putting yourself out there. I mean, she's talking about her. She's not talking about some made-up character. And it was like, wow. I mean, what courage. I was so proud of her. Does she have like a hard, without going into too much of her story, does she have a difficult story to tell? I guess you have to if you're going to make great art yeah. your own story, right? Yeah, no, talks about, you know, her childhood and things from that that were really tough. And then confronting her family about certain aspects of it and how they reacted. And then she plays all of them so well. And she's personifying all these people in her family. Mm. And you know, she studied acting for a while and it shows and she just did, I was completely blown away. Yes. I was completely so proud of her and amazed, not because it was such a great show, but I wasn't expecting 
to see that, you know, and it's so serendipitous, right? When you go to a play, you're supporting a friend, you think it's going to be a good show. And then you walk away and you're speechless <laughs> and you're like, that was like the best yeah. thing I've seen in a while. It works out when it's really good and you don't have to show, you know, like your love doesn't have to <laughs> right. supersede your truth. <laughs> that was so <laughs> great. Yeah. You want to go do something else? <laughs> I'm really proud of you. Yeah. It sucked, but I'm so proud of you. Did I mention I was really <laughs> proud of you? Yeah. I actually, what do I, you know, I've been thinking about this lately because on weekend, I'm such a big nature girl, mm. tree hugger without hugging the trees, but you know, I love to hike and bike and kayak and for me, being in nature is my church, really, and I need it to fill up my tank as often as possible. Yeah. And I find that it gets progressively, my need for that gets progressively more, maybe, as I've gotten older. And so I went for um, went for a beautiful hike on Saturday up at Bear Mountain, which is this beautiful kind of park and reserve that's within an hour, less than two hours outside of New York City. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> And I do like to hike alone often, number one, because I'm working too hard going up the hills and I can't talk, so I'm not a lot of fun to be around, mm-hmm. but also because I like quiet. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm walking and, you know, it's crowded on a busy, hot, you know, Saturday summer afternoon. And I'm walking up this mountain. It sounds really, uh, doesn't that sound hardy? There I was walking up this mountain. And Yodeling. Yodeling, as I tend to do. Of course. And <laughs> I, don't, I can't yodel to save my life. And there were noisy people around me. And again, this is me admittedly have crazy noise issues. I'm very sensitive. But when I'm in the woods, I really especially don't want to hear someone on their phone talking, which we've discussed already, so we don't have to go too much into that. Mm -hmm. But then there were just people enjoying each other's company and having very loud conversations with very shrill voices. And then there were these guys, like these teenage guys that were you know, um, hanging out in the woods and different sort of rock, rock outcroppings along the path that were trying to simulate the sound of these birds that were kind of cackling, but it was incessant. Like I could easily hear them for a good half hour of my hike, even though they were nowhere around me, just the way the sound was resonating. So I'm thinking, you know, is this me or is this them? Like I have to, I have no control over this. I got to let it go. But it was bugging (laughs) the hell out of me. You like go to the corner of the earth and you still (laughs) can't get peace and quiet. You know, and I am, I'm a kind of quiet junkie. Anyway, it was really lovely. And then you know, I'm reading a really great book too, which has to do with non-resistance and meditation and a very successful businessman who found meditation 40 years ago and has um, basically been living in the woods, finding his way through his own peace and getting rid of the noise in his mind and Mm -hmm. also succeeding in the constructs of mainstream society. So that was great. You know, I like getting my spiritual church fixes on weekends. I watch Ram Dass videos and Stephen Levine videos and just, you know, do lots of things online that I don't really do during the week. So that was my weekend. Cool. It's lovely. Sounds good. I'm not from too much of an isolationist, but we'll talk about that another time. All right. So I just want to talk about yeah. something that happened during the weekend. What happened? I, um, you know, we put the show out. We told everybody about it. We've been getting a lot of really great response. Thank you, everybody, for your yes, support. Yes, amen. Thank you. It means so much to us. Emails have been great. We've had, you know, Facebook postings and people reposting and telling people about it. And it's really exciting for us. So I want to thank everybody for that. Um, and then once in a while, you know, we get somebody who has something negative to say about the show, which is part of life. It's part, you know, we're kind of learning as we go with this thing. And, um, yeah, so I just got an email from someone I know who 
didn't really acknowledge anything positive about the show. They just had a criticism about it. And, you know, I kind of didn't take it personally, but it kind of hurt my feelings a little. And I got a little disappointed, you know, that they just didn't have anything like congratulatory to say. And not that everybody has to be like that. It's just that I think I was just a little surprised. And um, so I thought what I want to talk about was how I responded to that and sort of maybe talk about going from being a victim to feeling empowered, where instead of when I get hurt feelings or feel like someone's doing something to me, sort of once I get whatever feelings that I have to about that or make some phone calls about it or write about whatever I need to do, once I get past that to sort of have thicker skin and be like, it's not about me. Whatever they're doing, they're doing. What's about me is how I'm reacting and what I'm going to do with it. And I got to tell you, you've known me for a long time. This has been something that I've been practicing for a long time. And, um, can I ask you one quick question just to have like a little backstory was when you for at the moment that you got triggered, was it because of the expectations that you had, um, about this person or was it because of the actual words that were said? Do you know? I think it's both. And I think it's, it's the fact that, um, I, I am so proud of us for doing this show and I'm so excited about it. And people, I pat myself on the back daily. I know. And, no, and I really don't. y'all, it's not like we're sitting here and we want to congratulate ourselves, <laughs> but we've been talking about this for a long time. What we're trying to do is inspire other people that have put projects on the shelf for a long time to take it off the shelf and open it up again and maybe just do it, you know, because this has brought us so much joy and fun. And it's something I look forward to every day. And I can't believe how natural and organic and easy it's been. Everything has fallen into place. It's just been awesome. And to me, that shows us that we're kind of following what the universe is suggesting and, you know, uh, just doing what we love, doing what we really enjoy. Something that we haven't been expert in for a good part of our lives, by the way, that's taken a lot of time and work for us both to get out of our own ways. We kind of have walked that parallel road. Yeah. Where yeah. to somebody else, this could be just, you know, you show up and you do it. I know plenty of people like that and God bless them. But for us, we put a lot of obstacles in the way of our own passion. So that that's why this means so much, I think, to us. Yeah. And I'm speaking for you too. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think also that, you know, I had, I talked about this before. I had to clear space right. for, I, I call it clearing space for love and abundance to have a home. So this is part of the abundance, part of the love. You know, hanging out with a good friend, talking about life and hoping people (laughs) get something out of what we're talking about. Yeah. Somebody gives a hoot. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so what I, what I realized is that the lesson for me is to not focus on what somebody else is doing. It's how I'm reacting to it. And so what I tried to do was, you know, I called some people about it, talked about it. And then I just, um, I actually took a nap <laughs> and I hid <laughs> under the cover. Right. And I was like, I'm not coming out ever. <laughs> no, I, so I took a nap and I did what I call sleep prayer where I kind of lay down and I just kind of talk it out to myself and I pray a little and ask the universe for some guidance and it's a way for me to relax and also get some answers. It's sort of like, I guess, form of meditation in a way. And it's also, it's always nice to get a nap. <laughs> just checking out. Yeah. So, but yeah, but it was more about just trying to detach from the pain and sort of be like, Oh, I can grow from this 
and get a little tougher and again, thicker skin right. where I don't need to be so sensitive where I'm going to take on someone else's behavior, whatever they're going to do, they're going to do again. It's sort of like the expression I've heard. I didn't cause it. I can't control it and I can't cure it. So the only thing I can control is myself. And so I said to the universe, literally, you know, help me not take this person or be upset. And it's one person and I can sort of not take on their beliefs or what they're saying. I have my own belief system. And that has been a big lesson as well, mm -hmm. that I can change my thinking about the situation, about them and about me. Mm -hmm. And it's mostly about what I'm telling myself because in the past I would take on the negative criticism and say, Oh, they're right. You know, I should be doing this or I should be doing that. Or I did this wrong or yeah, I don't know why I did that. And now I'm like, no, fuck that. This is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's all right. And maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. And I'm, I'm doing all right. It's, I was thinking about this when I was thinking about maybe talking about this. How, I'm glad you're laughing and smiling right now about it. That says a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. <laughs> come a long way, baby. Yeah. Thanks. So it's like, it's the kind of thing where it's that Stuart Smalley sketch uh, from Saturday Night Live yeah. where he has Michael Jordan sitting next to him, looking in the mirror, doing the affirmations. He's like, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. I'm smart oh enough. And people like me, yeah, God like, darn, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. Sometimes just saying to myself, <laughs> using those positive affirmations, like I'm doing all right. I'm doing a good job or I'm fine or there's nothing wrong. That's a big one. So, um, so yeah, I kind of talked to myself a little, coach myself a little, and I asked, the universe to sort of help me again, get away from the pain and just realize that this is just something that happened. It's not that big a deal and to not let it destroy my self-esteem or belief system. Right. And that was huge steps forward for me. And so I started to feel better. And then all of a sudden, you know, I made another phone call and I was kind of joking around about it. And then by the time I went to sleep that night, I was fine. Yeah. Whereas years ago, that could have lasted a week mm -hmm. where I, I'd be angry about it and resentful and, and want to fight about it or moreover, change the other person. Don't you see this? Can't you see this? Why did you do this? Yep. And it's like, no, you know, I kind of said my piece about it. I let them know, you know, how I felt about it. And then I moved on. And you want to talk about fucking priceless. I mean, that is huge for yeah. me. Yeah. And so I think it's about, you know, it just, it's sort of about going from being that victim to how can we all of a sudden let it go and feel empowered to where we can move on in our life. Yeah. I think it also depends on, um, well, there's so many, there's so many variables here, but I do think ultimately it's really nice to be able to find a space between some person or a situation triggering you, mm. us, and then not reacting with the inner child, you know, that learned all. Because I really do believe so much of this really traces back to like the earliest lessons that you learn and the way our, you know, constitutions are made up and the things that we feel like we were um, lacking when we were younger and, you know. Mm. Um, and so it's always like that thread when you have a situation and I try to do now, but it's only, it's taken so many years of practice and therapy and reading and meditating 
is when you have that moment to catch it and that cliche sort of count to 10, but now, you know, do it in whatever way makes sense. It's sort of what we learn when we're kids. And then think about the thread that sort of traces back to what that trigger is really all about. Because it's rarely about what it is in the moment. Yeah. And it is the one thing that we have control over is how we react to a situation. That's the only thing we have control over in these situations, right? We don't Mm -hmm. have control over the other person. Um, We just have control over what we do with that trigger and and ideally take as much responsibility for it as we can. I keep thinking of Don Miguel Ruiz, who's one of my favorite beloveds. I've had the pleasure of meeting and interviewing, but most importantly, I'm a huge fan of his work and of his writing. And in the four agreements, one of them is not to take anything personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to remember that everybody's story or the way people treat us is really their projection of their own stuff. The way we receive it is our projection of our own stuff. So it's really a mirror. It's an opportunity, really. Right. Even though it doesn't feel so good in the moment. Mm-hmm. But, you know, hats off to you for, for turning corners faster. You know? It's a tricky balance, I think, too, because you can't necessarily skip steps and just sort of spiritualize it away and, you know, know all this fancy psychobabble and then just like in the moment, well, I mean, you still have to give yourself permission to feel it yeah. and to go into it, which is what you did when you created your little man cave under your blanket. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you did. <laughs> you know, and then, but maybe it lasts a little bit Why less. are you talking about my fort? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your fort, which I haven't had the pleasure of, you know, seeing, but I believe, you know, I believe I'm sure it was lovely and architecture. I, I used to have a girlfriend and we would joke around that I wanted this couch fort. <laughs> oh, I lived for forts. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. My, my sister and I were always making perpetually making forts. So this is your adult fort, you know. But the fact that you actually went inside it and you uh, let yourself feel it, and then you tapped into whatever your toolbox was to try to move past it quickly, and you did. And so it sounded like it was a perfect combination of letting yourself feel really, you know, icky about it, and then figuring out a way to move past it, and then hopefully knowing that it's. Um, you know, where that trigger comes from and what you can do with it the next time it happens. Because if it's not going to be this particular person, it's going to be someone else yeah. touching the same cord, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's about the fact that as we grow, we get better with certain tools and, you know, being able to do a 180 quicker. And so, yeah, the fact that I was sitting here laughing about it, you're like, oh, you've come a long way. It's like, yeah, I mean, 10 years ago, if I tell you the story... We, weeping I, and pulling tears. I'd be like, God, when's this guy going to stop complaining? <laughs> like, when's he going to get to the solution, you know? Yeah. So, and, and you know, I don't know if I believe in complaining. It's sort of like getting that out until you, you, you know, you've gotten it out. And then you can sort of focus on the solution, which yeah. I'm always trying to do with anyone in my life. You know, okay, I understand how you feel. Let's focus on what you can do about it to feel better. Right. Um, but it kind of reminded me of when I used to work in catering and... I was just so burnt out on catering and it's such a physical job and I got so much from it and I had a really interesting career doing that. Um, but I remember just getting to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore and just dealing with guests all the time and the, you know, all the stress of event planning and the actual event. And it's a very emotional job. A lot. You, I put a lot into myself into the job cause mm-hmm. I cared about it. And, um, most people I know in catering, you know, who work in it for a long time are like that, you know, mm-hmm. and they're pretty good at it. So hats off to anyone working in catering out there. So, um, 
So what do you call it? So I remember that I was talking to a spiritual teacher and I said, I can't do this anymore. And he said, why don't you go from can't to won't? Instead of you can't work in catering right. anymore, you, you won't work in catering anymore. Mm. And then I went from playing the victim to being empowered. Mm. And so I started to say in my life, it's not that I can't do catering. I won't do it. Right. And then all of a sudden, new opportunity stuff yeah. started to come into my life. And it's a reminder just about anything, whether I was in a relationship I didn't want to be in, whether I had a friend I didn't want to have anymore. It's like, I won't do this anymore. Yeah. And then it's like I feel 10 feet tall rather than a little kid who's a victim of the world and just things happen to me. It's like I'm always trying to move from that to, now I have choices here and I can make better choices for myself and better things can happen. It reminds me, again, it reminds me of so many things, but now I'm just getting a flashback to probably one of my first lessons of heartbreak very early on with a boyfriend Maybe, you know, in high school or probably college when I first had my, you know, real, so I thought, real and love relationships and my first or second breakup. And inevitably, there's always a conversation among your, in these situations, often girlfriends. He did this to you and he did that to you. And why did he do this to me? And this and me and me and me and me. And what did he do? And then it took, it took, I, I remember it took a good, I don't know maybe up to 10 years, I'm not very proud to to admit that, but probably did, before I realized that I have the choice to stay with it or not. I have the choice to subject myself to certain behavior. I have the choice to keep going in for more. I have the choice to not choose that sort of dynamic again. And that's something that really, you know, took a while for my younger lovelorn brain to and heart to recognize, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then now back to this story, I'm just thinking of different situations in my own life where this has happened many times, mm-hmm. you know, the next question sort of is when do you walk away? When can you fix it? When can you assert your own needs and the person receives them mm-hmm. versus when is it so inflammatory that you really just have to walk away? Yeah. And, you know, I think of a few, I'm thinking of one, you know, it's happened several times. It's very, very, a a close friend of mine that I had for many years. And then there were two incidences where she did something that really disappointed me. And when I tried to bring it up to her, she turned it around and just went hog wild, yelling, spouting out stuff that really had nothing to do with the situation. Right. And I felt like I was just trying to fix it and honor what I was feeling and what wasn't serving me and giving us a chance to grow and to better. And she took it as, I guess, a big offense or inappropriate or irrational. I mean, mean, these were, you know, one of them had to do with perpetually being late and the other one had to do um, something work-related. So in my mind, they were not these big heated scary topics to avoid sorry I was late today by the way (laughs) (laughs) yeah you were actually I wasn't I I wasn't I wasn't mad but but this is a great testament to our friendship and this is sort of my point bringing this up because I do believe at least as I've grown and had more relationships with men you know romantic relationships and friendships and familiar relationships Mm. that if you can walk through the mud and the shit and the muck together and walk through it uncomfortably and cross through the threshold to me that's the barometer of a really strong relationship because it's so easy and it's so common to run away when you're faced with not meeting someone's needs or expectations or hurting them and they call you out. Yeah. And I really think it's a measure of a person who can handle as non-defensively as possible 
um, just the, you know, can handle the idea of someone taking issue with them and still showing up, looking them in the eye, returning the phone call, returning the email, or maybe it didn't mean that much, or maybe it triggered their own reactional history and they just don't have the toolbox to deal with it right now and you have to say goodbye. So I don't know what brilliant conclusion I'm drawing right now, but it all has to do with just inflammatory, uncomfortable needs and expectations you have of people that you love. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking about us. I'm thinking over yeah. the years, we've had some tough talks. Yeah. And, and to, I mean, to be fair, as long as I've known, I've known you, it hasn't been a lot, but we've had a handful of tough talks where at least it was uncomfortable. And I was like, I don't know if we're going to work this out. I don't know if we're going to get to the other side of this. I didn't run. You didn't run. We usually was on the phone. We stayed on the phone and we got to the other side. Sometimes it took a follow-up phone call or two. But we worked it out. And again, I think that's one of the ingredients to intimacy. Yeah. Is it strengthens the relationship, whatever relationship it is. You know, let's work it out, get to the other side. And I don't know, it's, it was, I learned that a long time ago with a friend where we were on the phone and I was ready for her to bolt. I would, I wanted to bolt and none of us bolted. We both stayed on the phone. We got to the other side of it. And I learned about getting closer to somebody because no one taught me this. I mean, it's like, this is stuff I figured out. And I, you know, I didn't think anybody taught my parents this, you know, this was kind of new information. So it's like learning as we go, you know, I was just going to actually say the same thing. Well, first of all, I really, really do value that. It took a while for me to learn that not everybody bolts, you know, because I was really conditioned from, you know, I'm not even sure exactly where that started, but very, very conditioned to assume that most people do run away. Not that it um, doesn't disappoint me every time it still happens, Mm -hmm. but when it doesn't happen, it is the greatest gift. Yeah. It really, really is. And it is sort of like a marriage. It's commitment where you know that you're safe and you know that the other person is genuinely not going to go anywhere. Yeah. That's valuable. And I have that with all the, you know, primary relationships in my, in my life. Or maybe 90s, yeah. 95%. Yeah, I'm, I'm up there. I'm up in that percentile. <laughs> yeah, but I really value that. But, you know, I have a history of knocking my head against the wall, not being very accepting of letting people go, you know, not knowing when it's time to let go. I can try one more time, or if I just nudge a little harder, or try a little harder. That's not my place to nudge and force somebody to face our music together. Yeah. That's their choice to leave. And it's my responsibility to myself to have to accept it. But it took me, it's still, it's still a process. It's not even that I really learned it. I'm better at it. Mm -hmm. But I, um, I'm one of these people that would stay in wrong relationships for way too long with boyfriends, um, and with friends too. And so kind of to circle back to what you said earlier, it's really about taking stock. I tend to do it around my birthday and New Year's for whatever reason, mm-hmm. or the solstice, whatever mm-hmm. pagan significant days for me. Uh-huh. And just decide what's serving me in my life right now and what isn't. And it's so simple, but I always made it so complicated. Yeah. Well, and I think also it's a kind of thing where I think people change. And so sometimes I may be very close with someone for a while, be friends with them. And all of a sudden we kind of outgrow the friendship and, and that's happened to me. And then there are other times where when I have a tough talk and I'm not talking about having a tough talk all the time because yeah, no, that's not but good. in the past I've been that guy sometimes yeah. where I was, you know, maybe analyzing too much or, and I realized I was, um, 
one relationship, I was analyzing everything because it was a way of sort of staying safe and pushing the other person away. And that was like a huge epiphany for me to realize I was doing that and kind of change my own behavior instead of just getting to know them and go along, have some fun and not feel like I had to look at everything or fix things, you know, that may have eventually worked out or maybe didn't need fixing, you know? So that was, that was a big lesson. Um, but yeah, so, but when I find somebody who doesn't get into fight or flight, which I still tend to do cause I'm human. Yeah, we all do it. Yeah. But, but it's like, we have the, we have the, uh, the, the moment where we want to. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like when I find someone who will stay still and work through the conversation and get to the other side, I just appreciate it so much because it's a special thing and it's a special person and it's someone who I'm just grateful I have in my life. Yeah. Those are really, um, that's why my friendship circles are forever cherished for me because that really has become the barometer. It makes me sad. Like as I'm sitting here talking, I'm thinking about a few people that aren't in my life anymore that I still, I'm also, I'm lucky that I'm a pretty forgiving person pretty quickly. And so I still have very warm, you know, gaping places in my heart for these people. But part of me, maybe it's ego a little bit. I don't know, but I just had to ultimately move on with my life, knowing that I couldn't trust my heart with some of them anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that it happens, you know, and I guess the, the sort of overall theme is that we have choices and that's the fortunate thing about life. We're not a victim of the world. Right. We're not a victim of life. We can empower ourselves and sort of make changes and, and go on and try and enjoy life, you know. Take responsibility for our stuff, people. It's really fun. It's a real party. It's so much fun to do. <laughs> With that, this has been another Rob and Callie show. Really appreciate everybody listening. And, uh... If you are interested in getting a life coach session with me, you can go to robk.com. You can also find my album, You Are the Hero, Coaching and Affirmations. Thanks for listening. And if you'd like to find out more about me, please check me out at callyalpert.com. Thank you very much. Take care, everybody. See y'all.